1: Another one bites the dust. Uh, the Bucks in Buffalo, what the heck happened? What went wrong? Who's to blame? And where do the Bucks go from here? It's getting ugly, folks. Welcome into the Rick and Tom podcast. Tom Jones, Rick Stroud, Tampa Bay Times. Thanks so much for listening. We are coming to you from Buffalo, where the Bucks lost on Sunday. Final score, 30-27. Rick, heartbreaker, gut punch, kick to the you-know-what. This was a bad, bad, bad loss, wasn't it?
2: Well, there's no good ones, uh, Tom, but I... I think these are the horrific kind. That is a horrific loss. You know what I mean? Uh, there are there are certain losses that are worse than others, plain and simple. Simple as that. I'm losing all the Bucks coaches freeze phrases right now because well, there might be another former
1: Bucks coach. There, yeah, home. right. I mean,
2: this could have implications beyond this week. Look, I, there's a pattern here that the Bucks have sort of sunk into, and losing is sort of the common denominator. Uh, but offensively. They're starting very slow. They're not scoring touchdowns. Um, You know, and then, you know, tonight they were able to overcome that. And actually Jameis Winston, you know, makes a beautiful throw and a terrific catch by Mike Evans um, to take the lead with three minutes to go. And... Um, you know, what has happened far too many times, Tom, and you wrote about this a little bit in your column tonight after the game. And and that is that the defense is just giving up enormous plays, especially in the passing game. And you know, in that situation, I mean, you know, you just need to make a stop and the game is is over. You're going to win. And they they can only tie you at that point. And you know, a 44-yard bomb on first down in three plays you know, they're in the end zone and it's a tie game. And then of course came the turnover with Adam Humphreys and they end up going in and kicking the winning field goal with 14 seconds left with in less than a minute, this football team went from everything is back on track three and three Carolina coming to town. Even the NFC South is possible with Atlanta, uh, you know, not playing well against new England with, um, uh, you know, Carolina losing to Chicago, uh, Everything. Uh, Jameis Winston with a bad shoulder is going to throw for almost 400 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, the whole story changes, and then you blow it. It's just it's an it's an incredible, incredible uh, loss for this football team.
1: Well, we'll try to go through it, I guess, in somewhat in order, Rick. But I mean, really, with the defense, and you were talking about giving up the big play at the end there, but. I'm just going through looking at the game book. It's interesting what what you find out when you look at some of these numbers and find out the long play of the game for certain players. McCoy, his long run of the day, 23 yards. Taylor had a run of 26 yards. Tolbert come off the bench, had a run of 18 yards. Then as far as pass receiving, Thompson, a 44-yarder, which you mentioned. Uh, O'Leary caught a 32-yard pass. Thomas caught a 22. We're talking about big splash plays, Rick. Plays where they're getting large chunks of, of, of yardage. A lot of times on third and eight, third and ten, third and fourteen, I never saw a defense that that on, on a particular game that gave up as many big plays when you seemingly had the other team hemmed in on a third and long and it was they couldn't get off the field on third down. It was I think Buffalo was ten of sixteen on third down, and the last one I don't even count because they were lining up for a field goal essentially. So they were pretty much ten for fifteen. You, you can't win games like that.
2: No, that's terrible. I mean, to get you know to to convert ten third down situations in a single game—that's about two games worth, right? And sure. and you know, and Tyrod Taylor. Look, for all the things that he does, and he's a guy that can run around and extend plays. We know that he is not the best thrower in the National Football League. He came into the game with five touchdown passes, and you know, I mean, he looked like Randall Cunningham tonight. I mean, it was. It was incredible. They 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 literally couldn't tackle him in the in the backfield, obviously, um, and there were receivers running wide open. Now that was also the case on the Buck side, you know, when they're going against uh, the Bills sure. defense. But um, I just you know you, you go in saying you know they got to try to bottle up LaShawn McCoy. They couldn't do it. They really couldn't do it. Um, yeah. So they're not playing to run very well. They're not playing on third down very well. They're not covering very well. They try to line up change in, in the sense that they put Vernon Hargraves inside to play slot corner, um, you know Robert McClain outside. That didn't seem to work very well. Uh, the safety is an issue. The safety play is an issue, and we're just picking on the defense here because there's plenty of there's plenty of meat on the bone for the right. offense to pick on too. But defensively, you know th- this this team has has regressed back to early 2016 stages, and I don't know what Mike Smith is trying to do. I don't know what he is doing. I do know that on the back end, especially, and let's face it, I think Bucks fans and, and maybe even the Bucs themselves have accepted the fact that they're not getting pressure on the quarterback at all, all year. You know, it's just yeah. not happening. And so, but you have this, you know, this, this now this sudden panic of rotational players uh, on the back end where only Brent Grimes is secure, apparently, in his job. And so, you know, Vernon Hargraves, he stinks, so they move him inside. McClain, who's never been a starting corner in this league, uh, always been a nickel kind of corner guy that plays inside. He moves outside. This rotation with the safeties is driving players crazy, particularly T.J. Ward, who who's spouted off to me tonight. I've My wit's in. My, my witness in. I'm tired. Oh, yeah, what's that? That's not what they So, that's not what
0: you're here. I mean, that's not why I came here. I did not come here to rotate. I did not come here to be a part-time player. I came here to make this defense better, be on the field 100% of the time. That's what I do. That's the only way you I can strike offenses. That's what I do. I need to be out there. Yeah. You got me in one minute, one minute. Last week, I didn't even play the first time.
2: This is what it sounds
1: like when the Dubs cry. Well, Prince, let me ask you this: uh, How, how I me? Mean, how how big a deal is this? Because Dirk Cutter said after the game, when you're when you're not playing up to expectations, uh, you know it's easy it's easy for your team to shatter from the inside out. And uh, talk to the guys about that, but you know, talk is talk. We gotta we gotta we gotta live it. We gotta fix it ourselves. Is this just an outlier, T.J. Ward, or do you think there do you get a sense like uh, there's going to be a little bit of backbiting here the next few weeks?
2: Well, I think everybody's frustrated, and I think that uh, that, that there is, you know, going to be some of this fracturing, and not surprisingly, it's coming from guys that are free agents that signed up here this year. You know, um, we've had Deshaun Jackson speak his his mind uh, already this season, and you know, he was effective at times in this game. Had one fifty-yarder, probably the best ball that Jameis threw, called back because of a holding penalty. My experience is, Tom, this is not to me, I, and I don't know what's going on in the secondary certainly nothing's going on on the defensive line so let's start there those guys can't cover people for 12 seconds but this reminds me which with much worse players of what Lovey smith ultimately got fired for which was this sort of rotational um, ineffectiveness in the secondary where they were trying guys uh, a different lineup every week there was that, that hurts your communication i mean when you're in the back end you know you can't have breakdowns and the interesting thing about the 44 yard completion um, was that initially Dirk Cutter after the game told us that... That
1: last one was a wheel route. They they beat our linebacker on the wheel route on that on that last one.
2: And then much later after that, when we were actually having dinner, uh, he texted me and said, you know what, I've looked at it and I was wrong. It was the safety's responsibility on the number two receiver and he should have been over the top in the zone coverage that we covered, which makes sense. I mean, McLean made the tackle and got a late hit, but it really wasn't his guy. So, you know... There's confusion. There's a, a bunch of players going in and out of the games. You, you now have T.J. Ward who's upset. And and it does beg the question. It's like, why did you pay T.J. Ward $4 million if you thought, you know, Justin Evans, a rookie, and Chris Conte, and to some degree at some point Keith Tandy, were already just fine by you to play safety?
1: I asked Dirk Cutter. Is your personnel good enough defensively Dirk, or is it execution? Uh, Yeah, our personnel is good enough. I mean, we, but our execution isn't good enough. I mean, we missed too many tackles and obviously gave up too many big plays. I really don't know what I expected him to say, Rick, because he's not going to throw his team under the bus. He's not going to say our players aren't good enough. I I, would have been shocked if he had said that. But I do question whether it's a personnel thing, Rick, because I look at this defense – Joe McCoy is an elite player. I think Joe McCoy is an elite defender. Uh, I think Levante David is a really good player. Makes splash plays. Made one Sunday with a uh, a, a, a forced fumble and a recovery. Um, At times, Quine Alexander can be pretty effective. Brent Grimes, although he didn't have a great game Sunday, Is is a pretty good corner, and that's about it, as far as I'm concerned. uh, Defensively, at least how they're playing this year. So I do think it's more of a personnel issue than it is an execution issue. Again, I don't know what Dirk Cutter was supposed to say to that question, but I don't think they're just uh, plain simple. Rick, they're not good enough on defense right now.
2: Yeah, I I would disagree uh, in this sense. I don't think they're good enough on the defensive line. Um, You know, you mentioned Gerald McCoy, and I think they have some guys inside you know whether it's Chris Baker or at times Clinton McDonald but the pat, the outside the defensive ends William Golston hasn't made plays in weeks you haven't seen Robert Ayers he had one sack a week ago but he or maybe it was uh against you know in this game but you just haven't seen consistent pass rush from anybody and yeah. you know having said that you really i mean if you look at most defenses in the NFL how many how many pro bowl players are you really going to find 3 4 Well, that's a
1: really good defense if you have three or four. Yeah,
2: oh, well, okay. Well, I I mean, I would say say this. Levante David and Joe McCoy are Pro Bowl players, and I think they're playing at that level. Quan Alexander is capable of it. He's been hurt, and that's been a factor, okay? Playing Beckwith at Mike Linebacker, as good a job as he's done as a rookie, is still grading on a curve. I still think there's things he just can't possibly know or see. And then, you know, you go from there and you say, well, Brent Grimes has been a three-time Pro Bowler, and he's played a pretty high level this year. Um you know, and again, going back to you know TJ Ward, I mean, I'm not saying he's in his prime, certainly Denver wouldn't release him if he was, um, but I don't know how far off of, of where he should be uh, or where he has been that he is because we just simply haven't seen him play in this defense very much, and he was hurt for two games as well. so they they should have enough pieces with a first round pick in Vernon Hargraves, you know in his second year. and the other thing is Tom, this is the second year of Mike Smith's system. If you closed your eyes and I dropped you in here from another planet and said, How long have these guys been together? You'd say about 10 minutes. I mean, they mm-hmm. don't look like right. they know what they're doing. You know, the run fits aren't good. Uh, the coverage are, you know, there's, there's blown coverages. Guys in zones don't know they have this receiver. I mean, those are the things that, you know, the kinks that you see, you know, in the first year of a defense. And they went through it for eight games last year. And then for about the next nine weeks, they actually were one of the better defenses in the league. And now they're back to, you know, like like it's Groundhog Day. It's the first day again. So I don't know. I I think coaching is something they have to look at what they're asking these guys to do. Are they asking them to do too much? They got too much in the defense. I mean, my experience is is that when you play like this, it's better to do less better and be more predictable maybe uh, for the offense. Maybe you don't have as many disguises. Maybe – Maybe you're a little more predictable in terms of your coverages and things, but you know what the hell you're doing because it doesn't do any good if guys are running scot-free down the sideline in a situation where you want for all the world to not let any balls get thrown over your head. I mean, I, I can't believe that they completed a 44-yard pass on first down. Could you make it any easier for them? <laughs> I mean, at that times was... it, it's, it's like they're filming a movie, okay, guys, on this this play, you're going you're gonna to let him catch it over your heads, and he's going to get all the way to the 30. And then the next play, you're going to fall down and miss a tackle. You know, I mean, this is the way they're playing. It's, it's just like you're seeing stuff that you don't see in the National Football League.
1: The thing that's disturbing, Rick, is you look back at last week's game against Arizona. Adrian Peterson ran wild in that game, had well over 100 yards rushing. and And Arizona put up 38 points. Then they go out Sunday, get shut out. by the L.A. Rams, and Adrian Peterson runs for like 21 yards on 11 carries. I went back and I started looking up some of these numbers, Rick. Minnesota game, Minnesota hasn't scored as many points in a game as they did against the Tampa Bay Bucks, and the Arizona Cardinals haven't scored as many points in a game as they did against the Tampa Bay Bucks. and then, of course, we had on Sunday the Buffalo Bills. They haven't scored as many points in a game as they did against the Tampa Bay Bucks. and we're not talking about greatest show on turf here. We're talking about Case Keenum. We're talking about 100-year-old Carson Palmer. We're talking about uh, a a Buffalo team that's come. Look, Buffalo's not bad. They're a little better than I thought they were, but we're still not. This isn't. This isn't an elite offense. That's the thing that concerns me. They're getting beat up bad by pretty mediocre offenses.
2: Tom, they got burned by a, a receiver who got picked up this week and started. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. it's incredible that that, like you said. I mean, the, every team. You know what happened to Arizona today is what every team should do to them. The the quarterback. And I'm not suggesting you should break his arm. No, no, I know what you're saying. But yeah. but the quarterback look old. And the running back look older, and that's that's the way you should treat those guys, you know. And and I mean, when the Bucks come in, it's a highlight film, you know. It's like, okay, guys, we're here to make the highlight film, and it it doesn't make sense the way they're playing. And and the funny thing is, for how many years? And again, this is not this is sort of a recent phenomenon because, like I said, they went second half of last season, first couple games of this year. But who did they beat? The Chicago Bears. I think right. the Bears, you know, attempted four passes tonight with Mitch Trubisky. They complete. They completed four. <laughs> completed four. <laughs> literally so,
1: completed four passes.
2: Yeah. So that offense is ground. You know, just grounded. But they still stopped Jordan Howard when they played him. and they got a bunch of turnovers. And then, you know, I mean, the Giants. They beat the Giants. They, they beat a the team Giants. That couldn't get to out make of its them, own way. Yeah. To make them zero and five right. at the time or zero and four at the time. Under you way know. To so. 5, yeah. These are, these are bad teams being beat by the Buccaneers and not-so-great teams that are, you know, putting up outrageous points against them. The
1: score at halftime, Rick, was 10-6. to 6. Again, we see that offense supposed to all these weapons for Winston and explosive plays were supposed to be getting all over the place. And they kicked two field goals. One was a 50-yarder on the first drive. Continually beating themselves up, they had penalties that knocked back plays. They had a, a an inter, you know Jameis Winston threw another interception that w- was not a good one. Um, then sack the second fumble. half sack fumble. Second half, the yeah, Donovan Smith didn't have a great game, um, but overall, Rick, I thought the offense looked okay. Jameis Jameis looked good. I thought. I mean, he threw a couple of picks. I get it. Or, or had a couple of turnovers. Thirty two of forty four for three eighty four, three touchdowns. Yeah. Um, they didn't run the ball very well. But I yeah. liked the, I thought Dirk did an okay job calling the game because he never totally abandoned the running game, right. kept it honest enough, you know.
2: Right, but, those were tough yards.
1: Yeah. yeah, Mike Evans with a big day. O.J. Howard with a huge day, six catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns. That's his best day as a pro by far. This offense was good enough to win this game on Sunday.
2: It was, and it didn't start very well, and that's kind of been their Achilles heel. I mean, you know, you look up and halfway through the third quarter, they've got six points. You know, right. and that's just not going to win you a lot of games. They scored 14 against New England. Um, they're starting slow. Well, some of that is on Jameis. I didn't know what to expect from Jameis today. I mean, the guy's playing with a sprained shoulder. You know, I thought overall he threw the ball pretty well. You know, he's never going to be perfect. But, again, they just didn't, you know, finish drives, and that's kind of kind of been where they've been, where they've been at here for a while. I can't put my – I'm sure, you know, as like Dirk Cutter said, if he knew what was wrong, he'd fix it. But the slow starts are killing them and you know you, you can't start games and you can't start seasons this way and and it's it's hard to believe that with all the hype and and you know we're we're responsible for a lot of that sure. cuz we write these stories but you can look out there Tom and you can see this team has got really pretty darn good players on offense now we can question whether Donovan Smith who had you know, a huge holding penalty on a fifty something yard completion to Deshaun Jackson wiped away, who, you know, who had a sack fumble, they got beat off the edge. You know, there are they're they're not perfect, right? But I mean I mean, if OJ Howard gets going to go with Cameron Brait, to go with Deshaun Jackson, I mean Howard's only, you know, only played what so many games. I mean, they're re- they really should be. And they're putting up the points. I mean, you know, I know it was a second half kind of onslaught a week ago. With uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, but if you look at the last two weeks, thirty three and twenty seven, or twenty eight, mm-hmm. yeah, and you get smoked both games. I mean, it,
1: what? well, the thing—the thing that I liked about about Sunday's game, as far as the offense goes, James Winston threw to nine different receivers. That, that's yeah. a, you know that's a, that's a night. Now I know only, you know Godwin caught one for like one yard and Rogers like... whatever or, or five yards or whatever. That's but but still the nine different guys. Uh, yeah. they, they ran the ball, not great, but they, they, like I said, they, they ran it just enough to keep Buffalo honest. This yeah. offense was good. I don't understand though, why it takes them till the second half to get going. I, I, that's the part that confuses me.
2: That, I don't know that they're
1: really good in the second half. And today they were down 17 to six. Uh, and you mentioned that you can't continue to, to, uh, to, uh, you have
2: to throw the fall ball at behind. Point. Yeah.
1: But yeah, yeah. but, uh, but overall, this, this, this offense, good enough. Now, let's get to this last playbook because, okay, they go down, they score, they take a 27-20 to 20 lead. Mike Evans with just an absolutely brilliant catch and a great throw, too, really, by James. Put it the only spot where anybody could, could make a catch, and it was Mike Evans. And then, as you mentioned, Buffalo, three plays, 75 yards, 46 seconds, they go down and score and tie the game. Now, the Bucs get the ball back, still plenty of time left. I think 228. Something like that left
2: three and timeouts and a three timeouts two minute warning time is not ex- a factor. In fact, None. you want to be able to go into your four minute offense and essentially take your time and make sure that when you do kick a field goal, it's the last play or nearly the last play of the game.
1: There were some questions and I had some some reaction on Twitter and some people wrote me email that they didn't like the play that they ran to Adam Humphreys. and that it's almost like a, a recipe for a boy if he gets. You're running right into the teeth of the Buffalo defense. That that play's just ripe for a fumble. But I I don't know. I don't think you can go around playing the game like that, like worried about a guy going going to fumble, especially Adam Humphreys, who's a pretty reliable receiver and one of your more dependable players. I actually feel bad for Adam Humphreys because of all the guys, and I'm I'm not suggesting that nobody else plays hard, but that guy plays hard, and he's a good guy, and he's a. (laughs) you just hate to see that happen to him. But I I don't question a play call at all.
2: Well, no, and they've run it a million times, right? Um, and I think in that situation, Dirk Cutter explained it as a play caller, you know, you're in a two-minute offense, and the first thing you want to do is just get things going. Have an easy completion. Move the chains, you know. That that play is going to go to about the 35, 36-yard line, you know, and they're on their way. Because um, remember, they just need another 30 yards or kicking a field goal to win the game. I, I had no sense that there was any way, and I truly believe this, if he doesn't fumble that ball – they could still be playing, and I'm here to tell you, Buffalo wasn't stopping the Bucks. The Bucs had them. They had them on the ropes. They had them on their heels. Those linebackers couldn't cover anybody underneath, and they were making plays all over the place. Jameis was going to throw for 400 yards. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, but part of the deal is, you know, and Adam knows this, you know, you have to protect the football. He didn't do it. He put it on the ground, and they lose. So that that was tragic, but I don't question the play call. I mean, I, I think that's a safe pass that you can complete. And yeah, sometimes you get caught in the wash when you come back across the field like that. Sure, But the guy, you know, the guy just made a good play and got the ball out and recovered it. Rick, they're two and
1: four. It's they're in bad shape, Uh, but certainly not dead. Remember a year ago, they were three and five. So they can still come back, but lots to fix, Rick, lots to fix, especially on defense. And every loss is bad, I get that. But that Mm. locker room felt especially, and even Dirk Cutter, you could just see it on his face. I don't know if they're at the point, Rick, now where they're angry or if it's more the other thing I call, geez, what else can go wrong? I got a sense it was more of the latter, that, uh, geez, what else could go wrong here? They're they're almost not feeling sorry for themselves, but I didn't like the vibe that I felt in that locker room after the game and from Dirk Cutter.
2: Yeah, because I think that they're at the point where they're looking for answers. And w- what happens to players when they don't get them? You know, I mean, and, and you know, we're victims of this As in, in the media. We'll ask the questions. And, you know, you and you wrote about it in your column that, you know, you get well. We, we didn't tackle well. We didn't fit the run well. You know, we had a breakdown here. And when you hear this week after week, and those are the kind of conversations that are going on in the meeting rooms, players are like, okay, you know, how do we fix it? Like they're looking to the coaching staff to say, listen, guys, here's what we're going to do. It'll work. Just trust us. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. we're going to give you something now. Maybe it's not as complex. Maybe there's less disguises. Maybe there's more to the defense. Maybe you're too simple. Whatever it is, you're looking to those coaches to figure it out because, you know, what happens is the players say, it's not us. You know what I mean? And right, the coaches right. say, look at all the mistakes you're making. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, it's, but at this point, you know, they're really at a critical point. They need a win. When you lose three in a row in the NFL, you know, it's a long season, but, it, you know, it, it gets laid early, as Yogi would say. So, I mean, and that's the thing. Tom, they'd have to win eight out of ten games right now to get to ten wins. And I'm here to tell you, ten wins doesn't guarantee you anything except no, ten not wins. At all.
1: There's look, Dirk Cutter knows this team better than I know it, as far as how what their psyche is right now and what the feeling is inside that locker room. But if if I had to guess, if or if I had to predict what's going to happen next, and I know a lot of people they get angry and they're emotional right now and they want Dirk Cutter to go in there and turn over tables and say, right. "This is you know I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore." I think that would be the worst thing he could do right now for the Bucks. I really truly believe. They they need uh they need to be hugged, <laughs> they need <a> little <laughs> they need they need they, it's one of those things that they need to to be told they their coaches believe in them they're gonna and and Ju just what you just said which is either make it simple or or add something whatever it takes but I think it's. At this point, to yell and scream and and to, and to, you know to sort of go in there and fire and brimstone over the next couple of days, I think this team will go in a tank if they do that. I I I get the sense that they're they're fragile right now, and the last thing they need is somebody to start screaming at them.
2: Well, that's the Al Franken.
1: Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough,
0: and doggone it, people like me.
2: Oh, look, I, they're football players, right? They're not. Um, it's not the Miss USA contest. I mean, we. You can say whatever you want to these guys. They get paid a lot of money, and they need to understand that they're getting paid to win, not just to go out and perform. And I think there's a big difference in that. And I, and I think, the, you know, to a man, they're, they're depressed right now because they had huge expectations, not, not little expectations, not, you know, we hope to have a winning record. Ex- I mean, these, these guys believed that they could win the division, And if they got into the postseason, that they could go to the Super Bowl. They believe it. Now, that belief has been tested. It's being tested right now. And we'll see whether, you know,
0: it was. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place with LinkedIn. You can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on LinkedIn.com people today.
2: It's warranted or whether it was just a bunch of hype and you know, because if the character is good on this team, um, they'll they'll find their way out of this little hole here quickly. If not, they'll be in a position where it won't matter what they do in December because they're gonna they're gonna played themselves out of it. And I think I think the tougher games are still ahead. I mean, you have not played one division game. It starts Sunday against Carolina, and these division games, forgetting what the records of the other teams are. They're the hardest games you play because these teams know you so well and you know sure. them so well. And it really doesn't matter who, who each team has beaten up or lost to. Like, you know, it, Atlanta, you know, can get the crap beat out of them by New England, and Tampa Bay should have beaten New England and lost 19-14, to 14, right? right. But that doesn't mean Atlanta can't absolutely destroy the Bucks. You know what I mean? Oh no, I know. Like, well, you no, just never
1: know because Carolina go, Carolina loses to or beats New England, <laughs> then they lose, they to, lose Chicago, to Chicago, which got destroyed beat, by the Bucks. The, yeah. yeah,
2: exactly. So there's no rhyme or reason about what's happened, and it's just going to be sort of a and I and I don't you know I don't think there's going to be a team that's going to sweep their division. You know, I don't see anybody going six and zero in their division, right? But the Bucks right. might have to, you know, because now. They've got so darn many losses, and three losses. They lost as many games now on the road, Tom, as they had all last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, the road has been very unkind to them. They're going to have to
1: turn to certain people. Jameis Winston's going to have to take on a leadership role. Gerald McCoy's going to have to take a leadership role. And but they unfo- already are. What, what I, do we yeah, want them to I, do? I mean, unfortunately, what, what can we do? Unfortunately, the, the the guys that that you worry about <laughs> going sideways on you, guys like Deshaun Jackson and T.J. Ward, are guys right now that maybe aren't the happiest guys in the world. Anyway, you know, right. um, I I don't know, Rick. I, I there's a part of me that that saw enough good things, not certainly not defensively, but saw enough signs they should have won this game Sunday. They should, absolutely should have won this game. Yeah, and I I see enough that even though they're two and four, even though there's no reason to think they can sweep the division, there's no reason to think they can win eight of the next ten, which is what you're going to have to do to get to ten wins, there's still something deep down. I'm not giving up on this team just yet. There's still something there that I like, and I don't know if it was because O.J. Howard had a big day today or they seemed to to move the ball at will at times offensively. There's something I like about this team still. I don't know if they're going to get to ten wins. seems hard to do even if you're playing well. But I'm not ready. I don't think they're going to go. I don't think this thing's going to go totally south on them. I, they're, well, they're not going to go. They're not going to go four and twelve or whatever.
2: Well, we don't know. Um, I, I've you know I've seen teams leave, lose ten in a row after starting four and two, and I've seen coaches get fired for it. So we <laughs> don't know. Sure we have. don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, I'll say this: adversity hasn't really struck yet. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, look at all the players that are healthy right now. Oh, I know. You know, I mean, you don't even have that excuse. I mean, yeah, you were without Kwan for a while. You were without Levante for a while. Um, You know, this guy here, that guy there. Gerald McCoy's played every game. You Mm -hmm. know, those two guys are back. Uh, Derek, or or, I keep doing it, TJ Ward is healthy now. You've got more safeties than you obviously know what to do with because you're trying to play them all at once. Right. Um, You know, but you got a first-round pick in Vernon Hargraves that you've changed his position now. That's a heck of a thing to admit that we don't trust him on the outside. And so, you know, I'm here to tell you, you know, Robert McLean's a good guy. He's been a good football player his whole career. He's never really been a guy you counted on to start outside at corner for you. And and so, you know, I, I don't I think the tougher road is ahead of them. I I actually think that they've had a stretch of games here that they could have, should have, you know, probably won. Um, and they're not the most beat-up team in the NFL. The same guys have started every game on the offensive line. You can't say that about a lot of teams in the NFL right now. The Your offense teams, has
1: been fine, other than Doug Martin being suspended for the first couple of games. Right, in they, terms of had their injuries. Offense,
2: yeah. yeah, they've been intact. Yeah. So with all this going for you, you, don't, you know, don't you think that there's going to be more adversity and not less down the road? I do. I I, I know that the, the bigger waves are still coming to them.
1: The, uh, there was a positive sign. You know what the silver lining was today? You know what the no. good part of Patrick Murray? Patrick Murray, oh, man. yeah, yeah. 50-yard 50, 50 field goal, kicked another field goal, made all three of his extra points. They yeah. don't have to play around a kicker for a while.
2: Well, it's um, one game, but yeah. I, you, like, you like what he's... Well, I mean, that's... hey, you know It's like milk. It goes bad fast. I mean, you like what he did so far, and it's a great start. I mean, it was the last time you say, saw a guy even kick a 50-yarder around here? It's Rick, they're while. not gonna.
1: They're not gonna have another. Is this gonna go south on them? Is this gonna be another horrible Buck season?
2: Okay. You want answers? I
1: think I deserve them. You
2: want the truth?
1: I demand the truth. You, I can I, you, I can you, handle it. I, I can handle line. the truth. I can handle the truth. Please give it to yeah. me. Yeah.
2: Well, the truth is that I don't have the slightest idea. <laughs> maybe they're gonna win all their games, Tom, or maybe they won't win another one. Either way, no. I think that. Um, I, this I have seen this before. I've seen this. I've seen this before, and it only goes one of two ways, and it mostly goes the wrong way. Um, a year ago, they were in the same deep dark place, and they were three and five. They weren't two and four, but they were three and five. And to get to three and five, they'd have to go one and one the next two weeks. But they were three and five, and they won five in a row. Well, you know what? It usually doesn't go that way because. This franchise, think about this now, the franchise, I believe, if I'm correct, has only had three three occurrences where they won five games in a row in any given season. So that's unlikely, okay? Um, Much more likely is that it's going to be a sub-500 season, and then we can all speculate on what that means for Jason Light, for Dirk Cutter, for everybody else. That's the that's the place you don't want to go to in your mind if you're anybody, including media who covers those, the teams, <laughs> and you know, just means more work for us. And we kind of we kind of have relationships with those guys, so you don't want to see, you know, good people and their families get relocated. So, uh, you know, we're too early to talk about that per se. Um, the, the fact of the matter is, is that they 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 are better than this. They're for whatever reason not playing as well as they should, um, but. If you look around the NFC South, Tom, uh, everybody's just kind of bunched up. I mean, I know New Orleans has won four in a row now, and they might start to separate a little bit. Um, I'm not the... sold
1: on them. I'm not sold on them. I don't think right. they're good. I, I think the other two teams, Atlanta and Carolina, are better than New Orleans.
2: They may be, and they may knock New Orleans off, both of them. We don't know how many times that, you know, we, we don't know how this division is going to play out, but how it usually plays out is, you know, everybody beats everybody. And some nine and
1: seven could win that division. It could.
2: It's it's very possible. I don't say it doesn't happen often. The last time the Bucks won the NFC South, they were nine and seven. John Gruden did that twice at nine and seven, I believe. So it it, it, it's starting to shape up like a year of parity in this division. I think I think these are all good teams. I don't think anybody is is great. Last year, the Atlanta Falcons came out and after losing the opener, they proved to be great. I don't see that in this division this year. I see a lot of really good teams, but they're all capable of losing to anybody, and and have. And so, you know, at some point when you get to November, really when you get to November, December, by Thanksgiving it'll shake itself out. We're not there yet, so you know it's it's the Bucks still have time, and they got to climb themselves. Now they got to win two weeks in a row, Tom. Against NFC South type teams, absolutely, uh, just to get to five hundred, and that's really just the starting point. If you can climb your way, think about that. They got to win two in a row. They haven't done that.
1: Yeah, think about what happened last year. They were three and five, and they won a five game winning streak, which rarely happens. I think the last right. time the Bucks had won five in a row was the year they won the Super Bowl, that's and right. and then they were eight and five. And still didn't make the playoffs. So, even at that point, eight and five, you you think you're in pretty you good feel shape. Still pretty at that good, point. yeah. Yeah, and they, and they still didn't make the playoffs. So, I mean, certainly the next couple of weeks will, will be huge, and we'll talk about that more uh, yeah. as the week rolls along. Moving to college football, Rick FSU, another tough loss. Louisville mm. wins on a late score, 31 28. Jimbo getting into it with a fan. After yeah. the game, apparently wants him to fire all of his coordinators. Uh, th- this is things are already. Th- I, look, Louisville's not even that good a team. I don't think they're they're an average college football team, but Florida State just they can't get out of their own way, and and it looks like they're gonna. They're, I don't see how they're gonna make a bowl game at this point.
2: No, it doesn't look like it. I mean, they're trying to reschedule Louisiana Monroe or somebody. I don't know who who went uh, <laughs> one, one of those hurricane games they got canceled, but just to get and that's not an insignificant thing. I mean, I think people. Get caught up in the, uh, well, you know, it's just a bowl game. You're not going to play for anything. It's not a national championship. But you know what? Here's what it means. Uh, you get an extra month of practice, a full month, which is huge, especially for underclassmen that are going to be playing the next season. And it just doesn't seem like that may happen for them. You know, that game against Louisville, that game the the, the Seminoles had it won. Somehow they botched a zone read handoff and mm. – you know, instead of kicking a field goal to win the game, they wind up losing. I mean, it was just terrible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, can you imagine Florida State, man, not being in the postseason? It's very bizarre.
1: I just find it so bizarre to that this was a pretty good program. Things were rolling. They played Alabama in the first game. They looked pretty good, at least on defense. And then mm-hmm. they lose their quarterback, and now all of a sudden, none of, none of their guys can coach. Their defensive coordinator should be fired. This guy, uh, I can understand why Jimbo probably can't react that way to a fan and offer to kick his ass or whatever, bring your ass down here, whatever it was he said. Yeah. But uh, it, I never thought I would, I didn't think Florida State was in such a spot where they would, they would go from, from DEFCON 5 to DEFCON 1 like, like mm-hmm. that. It's it just I don't understand it. I don't understand why you just lose a quarterback. The whole, the whole program falls apart.
2: Well, you know, it's it's only the most important position on the field. I mean, the guy handles the ball yes. on every snap. And whether you're talking about peewee ball, which I have, you know, watched when my son play all the way through to high school and certainly in college and in the NFL, I mean, look what Florida's going through. I mean, I think, you know, they're playing an inexperienced quarterback. At times he looks like he might have something. At times he doesn't. Um, it all, you know, it all fits together, right? I mean, you have to complement – um, the offense with good defense, and, and and I think Florida State has really let themselves down on the defensive side. I mean, you know, Lamar Jackson's talented, but, man, he ran through people, um, you know, missed tackles, and, you know, you, you know, it just it hasn't looked right. So Jimbo, you know, he's one of these guys that feels like, look, we've done a lot. If you're a fan, you shouldn't criticize. I got news for you, and Jimbo knows this. You can't worry about the fans or you're going to be sitting with them, you know. Right. It does you no good to, to. and I know it's hard to hear those things, but he knows better. He knows he can't engage those folks, you know. And there were a lot of empty seats, you know. I mean, if you if you want people to get on your side, unfortunately for for you, you're the victim of your own success. You're gonna to have to get back in the in the mix and start winning ball games again, and then they'll get excited because there's a lot of empty seats at uh, at Doak.
1: USF holds on to beat Tulane. That game was a little bit closer than probably USF fans would have liked uh, Tulane with a little bit of a late comeback in that game. I, I, USF's not going to go undefeated. There's just – somebody's going to really? catch You think they're going to yeah. lose
2: before they get to UCF? Because that's well, going to the game. Well,
1: maybe that'll be the game that they lose, but – the sense that I have right now is I just, I don't like the way they're playing. They can put up a lot of points, but they seem to putz around a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. I think someone's going to catch them. I'm pretty sure. someone. you gonna say catch
2: them. that every week and maybe you'll know, be right it, one week, but I do saying I, it.
1: I keep crying. You'll wolf, be right. I
2: do. You know, you really are that guy
1: more impressed with Penn state or Notre Dame over the weekend.
2: Um, wow. I would say Penn state. Um, and I've been on them for a while now. Although Notre Dame, you know, the fact of the matter is, if you look at their schedule, if they went out, they're going to be one of the top four teams. Oh the yeah, nation. okay. They're going to play.
1: They got some good teams coming up on oh, their schedule yeah, too. Yeah. And their one it's, loss is at uh, to Georgia by what yeah. a point or two, right? Yeah.
2: Although, yeah, at this point, yeah, and that suddenly looks like a really good loss if there's such a thing because Georgia's sure. killing people. But I I do think that you know USC has become a train wreck. Um, yeah, so I don't know at the end of the year how that how that's going to pan out that victory. But their schedule is tough enough. They're going to be there if they win out. But the reason I was more impressed with with Penn State is that, look, Michigan can't score. But they have a hell of a defense, you know. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is is that, you know, Saquon Barkley is the best player in the nation, bar none. Penn State's quarterback had a huge day running and throwing. And that offense is a handful. I mean, they're so explosive. They make so many big plays. And you know, in the case of Michigan, they just there's no way they were gonna score with them. i mean they 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 hung in there, they got some breaks you know, defensively they they you know they made enough plays and turnovers and things like that to stay in it. um but I don't you know I you know Ohio State, that's gonna be a hell of a challenge for them to go you know into columbus and, and I think Ohio State's defense might be up to the task, but I don't think Ohio State can score with them. And I know Michigan State, which just was terrible yesterday in many ways. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't think they're going to score enough points to beat Penn State. I think you're going to see Penn State and Wisconsin in a rematch of the Big Ten game, and I've watched Wisconsin every game. They are not good enough to beat Penn State this year.
1: The only thing that, that I don't like about the Penn State-Ohio State matchup from Penn State's point of view is that Ohio State had a, had a week off. Last week or this past weekend, mm-hmm. so they're they're coming off a bye week at home. It's the same thing that Penn State had going up against Michigan, and we saw the difference there. That Penn State was really ready to play that game. I think Ohio State a little revenge from a year ago losing that game in Happy Valley, um, and Greg Schiano getting an extra week to prepare for that offense. Oh, it's please. a tricky offense. It's a really good offense that Penn State yeah. has, but they're some of it's gimmicky at times. They, I, I, I expect that Ohio State's gonna gonna be able to – they're not going to score 42 points against Ohio State
2: like they did against Michigan. Well, I, I, look, they might. They might. They I mean, no, no one has stopped them yet. You know, Notre Dame – I love no, that team.
1: I, I, no, no I, like both, I like both of those teams. Boy, Penn State and Notre Dame, if they were to both get into the, to a Final Four along with Alabama and then pick whoever mm-hmm. you want after that, whether it's uh, TCU well, think, or whoever.
2: Think about the game changer of Notre Dame um, not really being in a conference mm-hmm. and being oh, in the Final yeah. Four. No, Who I'm does that sure knock out? You know, I that, mean, that probably a knocks out a,
1: maybe like a, a Pac-12 team if Washington were to run the table from here uh-huh. or whoever's left. And well, It's going to be enough- damn
2: interesting how they arrive at that, though, right? Conference oh, champion, yada, yada, big five yeah. conference, oh, yeah. and someone staying home from the party if Notre Dame uh, crashes it.
1: We'll get you ready this weekend for college football. Big Florida-Georgia game coming up this weekend could get ugly, oh, I think. Oh, is that? Yeah, I was going to say, big for who? Because it ain't
2: big for Florida fans. Well, it stay could, away it from could be big for Jim
1: McElwain if these things go go really bad in that game. Yeah. I'll tell you, who's kicking ass right now. Rick is the the Tampa Bay Lightning. They look awesome at this one. They yeah, beat the they Penguins do. seven to one, seven to one on Saturday. It's the crazy. second time they've beaten the Penguins. Here's the thing. Lightning have lost one game in regulation and you look at the teams they're playing they have not played a soft schedule they've beaten mm. Pittsburgh twice they've beaten Washington they beat St. Louis they beat Detroit now I don't think Detroit's a great team but they were playing they're playing well Detroit they beat St. Yeah. Louis they beat Columbus these are good teams that they're beating right now Stamkos has got a million points leading leading the league in points Kucherov leading uh second in the league in points wow I like this team a lot Rick now you, they listen to you. you. Last week, you were complaining that they were giving up well, too, well, yeah, I was too many say, goals.
2: Yeah, the two biggest numbers of, of the last few weeks have been zero, or the last few days have been zero and one. And that's the number of goals against. Yeah. You know, Vasilevsky made 43 saves in one game. Um, I don't know that they were great scoring chances, but he made them nonetheless. And so yeah. he got his shutout. And then he could have had a shutout, uh, you know, last night against. Uh, you can say what you want about Pittsburgh, they can score. Okay. They can. They so, can. Now they're they I have mean,
1: a backup goalie and the guy was Yeah. Uh,
2: I get that, but I mean that, that well, might be yeah. what that's why you gave up the 6, but why did you not get but one? Um so I, I if if the Lightning become at all balanced and start and and are able to play on the defensive end even remotely as well as they're playing offense, you know, it's a long season, it's all about health, you know, Stamkos in particular, Kucherov, the guys that are carrying them. But what I like Hedman, about Hedman
1: the, can't get hurt. Hedman's the one no, guy really can't, really lose Hedman, can't no. get hurt. Yeah.
2: But what I like is that you know you're getting you got some stuff from that 19 year old rookie, um, you know, and and your best players are playing great. Yeah. And we still there's still a lot of players that we don't get to talk about that hasn't really caught fire yet. And you know guys like Tyler Johnson. I mean, they, there's so much scoring ability on this team um, that I I would imagine John Cooper probably feels like they can play better.
1: We're talking to our producer, Steve Versnick, about it a little bit, too. And and Braden Point has made such a difference on this team. Just being able to go out there and shut down the other Mm. team's top line, whether it's a Sidney Crosby or going up against Al Ovechkin or whoever, uh, Taylor Hawley going up against in New Jersey, that makes a huge difference when you have a guy that you can send out there who has a little bit of offensive ability of his own. Go out there, shut down the other team, and then you still have guys like you mentioned a top line with Stamkos and Kucherov, or you have, yeah. have another line coming back with guys like Tyler but Johnson, Alex Kalinowski. How and
2: fragile are they though, Tom? Because you know, and I, and and God forbid, I mean, Steven Stamkos has been through enough, right? Yep, um, he's he's due for a break. He's due to have a full season. Mm-hmm. Um, but how fragile are they? Because are are they are? I, I know we think they're deep, but it if they if if something one of the one or, or both of those guys at some had any kind of extended and i'm not talking about season ending but if they were out of the lineup w- would would they be able to reconfigure and still be the Tampa Bay Lightning or is this a you know a stamp coast Kucherov production
1: it is largely a stamp coast Kucherov production i do think they have other guys that can can um can carry Contribute the load for they for to. times but yeah. clearly These are their two best players. They're two of the better players in the National Hockey League. And is that really any
2: different than anywhere else, though? I mean, like probably not. Like if Pittsburgh loses uh, Crosby Crosby and and
1: uh, and Evgeny Malkin, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, though, I, there, there's definitely you don't want to lose either one of those guys for an extended period of time. Just having Stamkos out there on the power play makes things better for Nikita Kucherov, not only is he feeding him the puck, but he's also a, a guy out there can be a decoy at times. Mm-hmm. They certainly need both of those guys in there. The one guy I that they can't lose is Victor Hedman. If yeah. you gave me the choice of, okay, you could either lose Kucherov and mm-hmm. Stamkos for a month. Or lose Victor Hedman for a month. I'd bet, I'd rather lose Stamkos and Kucherov together for a wow. month than wow. lose Victor Hedman. For, I, I think Victor Hedman means that much to this team. He is clearly their best defenseman. And there's a pretty significant drop-off after him. Uh, I like Anton Strauman a lot. Uh, and other guys are certainly, you know, Sergachev is stepping up, and you got, got you got veterans like uh, Dan Girardi and and Braden Coburn. But there's a huge drop off after Victor Hedman to their next best defensive, which is probably Strawman. I would I would hate to mo- lose him for any extended period of time.
2: Well, with Drew Ann gone, I mean Hedman has now taken over sort of that point guard role in the power play too, right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. He does everything. He does he controls dictates the pace of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he plays a ton of minutes he's he's usually well over 20 minutes a game that that's that's the one guy I think they could afford other than Vasilevsky you don't want to lose Vasilevsky sure uh, you know what I would even say that I'd rather lose Vasilevsky for a month and go with Peter uh, Budai I oh, than I would, I would yeah I would. than I would Victor Hedman I think Victor Hedman really? means that yeah. much to them. yes absolutely I don't I, want Budai yeah. playing my whole year but you look at last yeah. year Budai when he was with the Kings he played pretty well uh, when he was playing most nights. So
2: This might sound weird, but I actually think, and I know there's been hype about him, I think Vasilevsky's underrated.
1: He might be. I he's a really he's, good goal team.
2: I think he's really solid.
1: This is what we heard a couple years ago, Rick. Everybody was saying that he's off the charts. It's his potential. And I think it matters compared it's to Marty Brodeur.
2: Yeah, it's Marty it, Yeah, now it's his deal, right? There's no, I'm not sharing time. I'm not frustrated because, you know, they're going to trade Bishop and I, don't, I haven't done it yet. And, you know, and, and Budai's you know, there's no one there's no misunderstanding. It's kinda like, you know, Ryan's not gonna lose his job, right? being yeah, you know, being Winston's right. backup. I mean, no one's trying a gun for you. They're gonna work together. And what I saw, and you, you have a much more trained hockey eye than I do, but just from a layman's standpoint is the guy is really calm and net right now. Like there's oh, no yeah. wasted movement. He's just he's so solid. You know what I mean? And if you need the spectacular save, he makes it and you're not seeing any soft goals really going through them.
1: Every time we ask John Cooper, and I asked John Cooper about Vasilevsky about a week ago, and he he says the same thing all the time. This kid was playing in the Stanley Cup Finals when he was 19 years old, and when he was 20 years old, he was playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. So there's Crazy. nothing that he can face. Now, certainly a game in October is nowhere yeah. near the pressure of playing the Chicago Blackhawks in, in the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, anyway, a big week coming up again for the Lightning Carolina a much improved team coming up Tuesday night. Speaking of Tuesday, Rick, and we'll get more into this on our Tuesday podcast, the uh, the Astros and the Dodgers will play in the world. Two National League teams playing for the World Series. I still can't wrap my brain around the fact I know, that right? the Houston Astros are in the American League.
2: It's like the it's like a championship for the NL West, what it used to be, the <laughs> NL West. Um, pretty interesting. You know, Sports Illustrated several years ago did a cover, and it said it was about all the you know the scouting and the young uh, players and and, um, and the analytics and said, you're 2017 world champion Houston Astros. And amazing? here they are on the yeah. brink. So, you know, they got it right a couple of years ago, which like, we can probably pull out about 100 covers where they didn't. But um, this Astros team is fun to watch, man. And, you know, it, has there been a better late trade than Justin Verlander to the Houston Astros? Oh, that's been and great. Kate Upton. I must throw her in as well because I, I <laughs> really think that put him over the top with any trade. If you ask me,
1: he's winning at life, Justin Verlander. Oh my goodness! Uh, he was a national League, national League Championship Series MVP and the, or American League Champion. See, I'm still doing it. I'm still calling him a national yeah. team. Yeah. Um, and Jose Altuve. If I were starting a team right now and you told me I got also, how, Jose Altuve with my first pick, I'm like, fine, mm. I'll take it. This is a really good ball club. I like their manager a lot, A.J. Hinch. We'll talk more about it uh, on our Tuesday podcast, who we think is going to win the series. But how about Lance McCullers, man? Tampa kid came in and threw like 500 curveballs in a row to close yeah. out the Yankees on uh, in game seven. Well, nice. I thought it was
2: interesting. You know, Hinch told him, he goes, I'm going to give you the ball. And when I do, I expect you to finish the game. Like, did. I didn't know. I didn't really think he was going to go the whole way. Did you? No. I, mean, I thought, first of all, I thought he's going to get in trouble at some point, which he did, and he gave up one hit. But then I thought, well, surely they'll go to a, a close you know, like at some point they'll go to do they'll go to somebody. And right. they didn't. I mean, they just he just went out there and just mowed everybody down until you made the twenty seventh out.
1: He literally I think I believe I saw the stat twenty four curveballs in a row to finish Incredible. off the game. They could not Incredible. hit it. It was like a wiffle ball. It was like a kid throwing a wiffle ball and and no don't yeah. get hit it. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Don't forget, we're here each and every weekday. You can find us on Twitter at RickTomPodcast, at NFLStraught, at TomWJones. Thanks to our producer, Steve Verstick. And uh, as you are listening to this, Rick and I are probably on our way back from Buffalo to get the latest from Dirk Cutter. Should be an interesting Monday over at One Buck Place. So thanks, everyone. And the next time we talk to you, we'll let you know what's going on with Dirk and the boys. That's all coming up on our Tuesday podcast. We'll see you then